You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. I'm also the co-editor of Dunking With Wolves, the Timberwolves site on the fan side of network. Today's episode of Lockdown Wolves is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. Are you happy because you win or do you win because you're happy? At only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Player of the Week coming up later in today's episode. Happy Thursday, everybody. Today is the post-game podcast from Wolves and Pacers on Wednesday night at Target Center. Lots of game takeaways today. There's actually, this is a super fun game, an overtime loss for the Wolves. They did lose by... Um, by six in overtime, but it, this was a really fun game. The Wolves had two players score more than 30 points. They had uh, Rubio had 20 and 13. The Pacers had two guys score over 30 individually. It was really kind of an up and down high quality um, game all the really all the way around. Um, and so it was a lot of fun. There's, there's some pretty clear takeaways from this game from the Wolves, especially um, what they struggled with offensively in the second half of the game. And then defensively down the stretch, they could not slow down Demonis Sabonis or Malcolm Brogdon in this game. So I want to dig into what happened there and then obviously talk about the positives as well. Um, the, the things that did go well in this game for the Wolves, the individual studs and duds and, and why I was encouraged by this game. So that'll all be on today's show. A quick reminder here, of course, off the top, as always, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. Also Stitcher, you can follow on Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you like to get your podcasts. You can also follow on Twitter at Locked on T-Wolves. That's Locked on T-Wolves. Don't forget the T. And at B-Beacon, that's two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N as well. All right, so the Timberwolves in this game, you know, I don't I don't, I don't want to rehash too much of the first half um, in this one because there was so much that happened down the stretch in the fourth quarter and overtime. Um, so basically, the Wolves were in this game from the beginning. They, they competed hard. They were down six after the first quarter, had some serious rebounding issues. The Pacers closed the first quarter extremely strong. The Wolves gave up. I think actually the Pacers' first three baskets in this game were second chance points. I think all three of those um, made buckets for the Pacers early in the game were off of offensive rebounds. And the Wolves just really struggled to to clear the gla- glass early in the game. Um, but then the second quarter, they kind of flipped the script on the Pacers and outscored Indiana by 10 in the second quarter. The second unit, especially Jordan McLaughlin and Nas Reed, were really dominant. I mean, McLaughlin finished this game with seven assists and six of them were on Nas Reed baskets. Um, or another way to say that would be six of Nas Reed's eight baskets were assisted by Jordan McLaughlin. Um, and a lot of that damage was done in the second quarter of this game. The Wolves actually ended up being ahead by two points at halftime after outscoring the pace. Or actually, they were up by four at halftime. Um, and it it felt, I mean, Towns picked up his third foul before, right before the break. But otherwise, I mean, if things felt good for the most part heading into halftime of this game. Um, and the Wolves were were up four at the break. So then third quarter was more of a defensive struggle. And, and the offense wasn't great for either team. It was weird. I mean, you had a second quarter where there were 70 total points scored. The, the Wolves dropped 40 in the second quarter. And then in the third, the Wolves outscored the Pacers 19 to 17. Both teams played solid defense and both teams really kind of struggled to hit the open shots that they did get offensively. Um, and so it was kind of a slugfest all the way through the third quarter. As the game wore on, the Wolves continued to try different things to slow down Malcolm Brogdon. Um, For the game, Brogdon ended up dropping 
32 points on 22 shots. He was six of seven outside the arc. He did have seven assists, five turnovers. It didn't feel as it was happening that that Brogdon was doing quite as much damage as he did. In fact, Jeremy Lamb had 18 points on 14 shots, and he felt it seemed what he was doing was more damaging than Brogdon at times. Um, the Wolves defaulted to having Ricky Rubio guarding him, but Minnesota was basically switching everything. And I'll, I'll dig more into the defense here in a minute. And that led to Anthony Edwards being on Brogdon for a, a, position, a possession here, a possession there. It led to um, a lot of Malik Beasley on Malcolm Brogdon, which was not optimal. Um, and there were several pose- possessions that Beasley just got blown past on the perimeter. Um, Rubio got beat a couple of times by Brogdon, certainly. Um, when Brogdon came back into the game middle of the fourth quarter with the Pacers down by a couple of possessions and and he had been resting for the first about five minutes of the fourth, the Wolves tried Jared Vanderbilt on him. That actually went okay, but then the Wolves' offense was struggling um, with, with the zone that the Pacers threw at him, and they just couldn't score with Vanderbilt and Rubio on the floor. Rubio struggles with zone defenses. Vanderbilt struggles to be impactful um, offensively all the time, really. Um, and so it, it just didn't make sense. And eventually the Wolves decided to bring in Jade McDaniels, gave him the job of slowing down Malcolm Brogdon. And it, he did well enough that it was fair to wonder why he didn't get the job much sooner in the game. And, and I'll get into this in a minute. But Josh Kogi was only on the court for, I don't know, two or three possessions at the same time as Malcolm Brogdon. And, and I, I don't really understand that. Josh actually had a fairly good game. And the Wolves couldn't slow down Malcolm Brogdon for much of the game. Why not give him a shot to guard him um, and and still have McDaniels on the court? And then that way you're still, you know, you're not going to play Vanderbilt, Okogie, and Rubio all together. So you take Vanderbilt out, you play McDaniels at the four, and you put Okogie on Brogdon. To me, that would have been something I would have tried. But at any rate, McDaniels did a pretty good job down the stretch. Um, in the final possessions, it was a tie game with a couple minutes left. Towns had a dunk and a three, um, and the Wolves were up five. So then the Pacers come down and and get a three from Jeremy Lamb on, on a defensive breakdown from Minnesota. Then uh, the Wolves miss, Rubio misses a leaner in the lane. It was a mostly open 10, 12 footer that he just, he missed. And then Sabonis gets fouled on the other end, makes both free throws. It's an 11 second, or a, a tie game, I should say, with 11.1 seconds left. Wolves call timeout. Uh, typically, and, and I've talked, I've lauded Ryan Saunders' ATO play calling on this podcast many times before and also called out when it, when it hasn't been good, like the D'Angelo Russell miss um, a couple of weeks ago. I, I forget who the opponent was where basically it was just an isolation for D'Lo and he shot a contested three. This play call was Anthony Edwards inbounded the ball to Carl Anthony Towns who passed it right back to Anthony Edwards. And they went to do a pick and roll game. There's a Rubio set a down screen right before the ball was inbounded. Towns was freed up, caught the, caught the pass, gave it back to Edwards set a screen for Edwards and then rescreen. And on the rescreen, the Pacers switched and Towns flattened out a little bit to the right side of the floor. And Ant basically had six, six and a half seconds. He had Miles Turner on him on the switch, could have taken him into the paint. And if he didn't like, if he didn't get the step, if he didn't like the angle, he could have kicked it back to Towns. I'm sure the def- the defense would have collapsed at that point and Towns would have had a wide open jumper or um, Ant could have, scored the ball in the paint himself, or the other option would have been Towns could have rolled um, on on the uh, on the pick and roll, obviously, but instead he flattened out to the perimeter, and instead Ant dribbled a couple more seconds off the, off the clock with about three seconds left. He shot a deep contested three, rattled about three quarters of the way down, and then out. It took so long to rattle out that the game was, uh, was over. There was no chance for an offensive rebound. Um, and then after the game, Ryan Saunders said that the play call was either 
Edwards goes to the rim or hits Towns on the roll. Well, Towns didn't roll, which meant that Edwards had to go to the rim and potentially kick back out to Towns, who is back out on the perimeter and and likely could have been open um, if the defense would have collapsed on Edwards. And also, I like the I like Edwards' chances to get a step on on Turner, get into his body, score at the rim. Uh, but that didn't happen. And so it wasn't the shot selection you really want from Edwards. I didn't hate the play call. It just, the execution was not was not ideal for the Timberwolves in, in this scenario. Um, so then it goes to overtime and the Wolves really couldn't score in overtime. Beasley missed a couple of shots early. Towns had Malcolm Brogdon in a bad way in the post on a switch. Couldn't score over Brogdon in the post. Beasley missed his first couple of threes in the overtime period. The Wolves, in fact, started overtime. One of six shooting. Beasley's, uh, Beasley made a corner three. was the only make. The Wolves were down five with a minute 10 left, and then they scored down three on defense, have to get a stop to get the ball back with under a minute left down three, and they did get a stop. Jade McDaniels was guarding Malcolm Brogdon. Again, the Wolves were switching almost everything. They switch. The ball goes to Sabonis in the post. McDaniels is still guarding Sabonis, and Ricky doubles in the post. Sabonis kicks it all the way out to the left corner. Ricky gets all the way to the corner and contests, uh, I forget who it was for the Pacers in the left corner, but forces that player to rotate the ball back to the wing. And by the time they get a shot up, it's a shot clock violation. So this was fantastic switching by the Wolves. Great defense by McDaniels, first on Brogdon and then on Sabonis in the post. The Pacers, two most effective players in this game. Ricky doubling multiple players in the same possession, scrambling to the point that they forced the 24-shot clock violation. So the Wolves get the ball back down three with just under a minute to play. But Malik Beasley gets trapped on the perimeter, basically single-handedly by Sabonis. Sabonis just kind of takes the ball away. Beasley goes to pass it. Sabonis is long enough that he can tip the passing and, and corral the, the loose ball, go back the other way. Brogdon gets Beasley in a pick and roll with Sabonis. Sabonis just kind of drags Beasley with him. For some reason, Malik decided to try and go under the screen. Brogdon hits his sixth three of the night. Uh, with basically no one near him because Towns had gone with Sabonis. Beasley didn't fight through the screen, chose to go underneath it. Wide open three. Um, Brogdon's sixth of the game. The Wolves are now down six with nine seconds left, and that's effectively the end of the game. Um, Beasley, for the most part, part was good in this game, especially offensively. His defense was really bad. We'll get into that in a minute. But that last minute of overtime with the turnover and then going under the screen, getting caught on the screen... It, it was just a really poor sequence by Beasley. Um, and, and you live by Beasley being a great shooter and a, a fantastic offensive player, but you also can die by him being a little trigger happy and a poor defender. And that's what happened in overtime. Towns only attempted a couple of shots, I believe two shots in overtime. And Anthony Edwards did not attempt a shot in overtime. So um, it was it was not the way that the Wolves wanted to end this game, but it was a competitive game. They were in it. They took a playoff team, one of the league's better teams to overtime and just fell short. And easily, if they had gotten a couple of those, a couple of bounces their way, I mean, in the final minute of regulation, Anthony Edwards missed a fairly easy dunk at the, uh, right at the rim. Um, Towns missed a shot in the post over Brogdon. He had another opportunity where he was close to the basket and missed. If, you know, one or two of those shots goes in, this is a different story. I mean, Minnesota was up five with 58 seconds left in regulation. They had a chance to win it. Edward shot was most of the way down. So there's plenty of things that could have gone the other way. Um, and so it, overall, a positive takeaway, positive takeaways from this game. Still, though, we have to talk about some of the issues. A lot of that was defensively, was the lack of ability to slow down Sabonis and Brogdon. So I want to get into that next. Um, talk about some of the perimeter defense, especially, and then also who played really well. We'll get into individual studs and duds 
from this one too. Before we do that though, uh, we have to talk about our new friends at Michelob Ultra. And that means that we're talking about the new Ultra Player of the Week. And I'm going to go ahead and say the last week, not simply since the start of this week, because we're only two games in. And that has to be, I, I realize that this is a little awkward after just talking about how Beasley lost the game for the Wolves in, in overtime, essentially. Um, it's got to be Malik Beasley. If you're looking at the past week, Malik Beasley has been fantastic. And we're going to call this seven days. Go back to the beginning of last week in Dallas, which feels like ages ago, the last game before Carl Anthony Towns returned. Over the four games in that week span, Malik Beasley averaged 25 and a half points, five and a half rebounds, 3.8 assists, shot 50% on three-point attempts. That's almost six three-point makes a night and 48.6% from the floor. And Malik Beasley is one of those players on the Timberwolves who's playing with happiness and joy and passion. And that's what the Michelob Ultra Player of the Week is all about, is the enjoyment of the moment and of the game. And Malik Beasley embodies those things for the Timberwolves, plays hard every single night. And that's a huge part of, of this whole thing, right? I mean, that's what, what the Timberwolves need to do to succeed is they need to have these guys buy into what they're doing. Um, and enjoyment isn't the end game. It's the whole game. Malik Beasley is enjoying himself just as you can with Michelob Ultra, 2.6 carbs, 95 calories. Are you happy because you win or do you win because you're happy Malik Beasley is this week's Ultra Player of the Week. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with our new Locked On Today podcast. Peter Bukowski hosts a breakdown of the biggest stories with analysis from our local experts. Start your day with all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get podcasts. All right, uh, let's talk about key takeaways from this game. So I touched a little bit on the defense. Um, the Pacers offense is, is really interesting. They run a ton of dribble handoffs. They do run some horn sets and they run, um, you know, some just kind of standard high pick and roll. And the Wolves really struggled to, I mean, mean, for the most part, the Wolves were switching everything and, and that made for some weird matchups, but Sabonis was, was not getting, it's not like he was taking Rubio or Beasley to the post. It was mostly Sabonis versus Towns and, and Towns struggled to guard Sabonis. Um, he started out okay, but then as the game wore on, Sabonis was, uh, you know, Towns was a little bit, he got three fouls right before halftime. So Towns was a little worried about foul trouble and, and rightfully so, because he picked up some cheap ones, but Sabonis almost scored at will. On the perimeter, the Wolves just kept getting, just uh, just really blown by, by, by the Pacers guards, especially Jeremy Lamb and Malcolm Brogdon, Malik Beasley. I, I rewatched um, all of the Pacers offensive possessions and, and Beasley got, there were just straight blow bys four times. Um, and it was mostly Malcolm Brogdon. I think Jeremy Lamb once maybe Brogdon three times where Beasley was just, just beat. He closed out too hard um, and was just, or was flat footed and got beat. Rubio was blown by one time by Malcolm Brogdon. That's five times where it was just like a straight line drive to the rim. And there was no reason for it other than just sloppy positioning um, and also a lack of help defense. But it starts with containing on the perimeter and the Wolves could not do that. The Pacers were really good in transition, which is something they they can do if they need to. But um, they they were running double drag screens in transition that the Wolves didn't know what to do with. And, and with Minnesota's lack of communication uh, uh, in transition on defense, especially it just, it was bad news for the Wolves. Um, Sabonis had a couple easy buckets in transition, as did Brogdon early in the game. Brogdon hit a couple of easy threes in transition. The uh, There was a big Jeremy Lamb three as the Pacers were hanging around in the second half where uh, Rubio and I think it was Towns actually in transition weren't communicating over who was picking up the ball and who was guarding Jeremy Lamb. Easy catch and shoot for Lamb. Um, and 
Minnesota, it, it goes back to communication. It goes back to having a plan. Clearly the plan was to switch basically everything in this game. And the Wolves did that. The problem was the Pacers were getting the switches that they wanted. And um, whether that was whether that was in a dribble handoff set or a, a pick and roll, um, it was it was pretty easy for the Pacers to end up with, say, Beasley on Brogdon. Um, and that happened far too often. The Wolves tried Jared Vanderbilt on Brogdon early in the fourth quarter. It was okay. Um, I mean, Brogdon scored, I think, maybe on on two of four possessions, and Vando got a block or a steal on one of them. You know, it was it was a little bit of a of a you know, I, I guess more cons than pros. And then you mix in on the offensive end, the Wolves spacing issues when the Pacers go zone. If you have Vanderbilt and Rubio on the court it's going to be tough sledding. And so the Wolves went with Jared, excuse me, with Jaden McDaniels down the stretch and it worked really well. McDaniels actually got a couple of stops on Brogdon. Um, You know, you're giving up a little bit of rebounding, which was a huge issue early in the game by bringing McDaniels in for Vanderbilt. But if you can get stops, then you're counting on Carl Anthony Towns to get those big rebounds. And that's mostly what happened. And McDaniels was able to add, he did hit a big three down the stretch after he came in. And and I tweeted this out during the game. It was the right button to push by Ryan Saunders to make this up. Um, the other night he left Vanderbilt in and that was the right button to push. I actually think that this kind of mixing and matching, depending on situations, depending on the matchup itself, uh, you know, the opponent, and then also who's playing better makes a ton of sense. Vanderbilt was fine in this game, um, but he was getting beat a little bit more on the dribble. McDaniels has a little bit more lateral quickness and certainly more offensive touch. You're giving up some rebounding again, but I, I, that was the right thing to risk. And it worked out in this game, the Pacers down the stretch. I should say it worked out to the extent that it slowed down Brogdon a little bit. Obviously it didn't work out in the sense that the wolves lost. Um, but I don't think you can blame Ryan Saunders for his substitution pattern in this game. The Pacers though, it, it really, I mean, the coaching was kind of next level down the stretch. The Pacers went to a two point guard lineup. They had both Brogdon and TJ McConnell on the floor, um, along with holiday. And, um, it, the wolves basically had to have Malik Beasley guard Malcolm Brogdon. And that's not a recipe for success. The Pacers got again, the matchup that they wanted simply by Dick, by the lineup they have on the floor. And then by dictating the terms in the pick and roll game. Um, and, and again, you basically had Ruby on McConnell and you had uh, Beasley on Brogdon for chunks of the fourth quarter or, or Jordan McLaughlin was in the game. He was guarding McConnell. And that was just, you know, Bjorkland, the, the Pacers coaching staff knew what they were doing and um, they executed it perfectly. So um, really, I think overall the Timberwolves substitution patterns were good. I think that the, um, the offense was, generally very good except for the third quarter where both teams were struggling. And then the first part of overtime, obviously when, when it mattered most, but for the most part, the wolves offense was ran fairly well. I thought the substitution pattern was good. I, I there were no egregious timeout management mistakes by Ryan Saunders in this game. The Pacers just coached a little bit better in terms of getting the matchups that they wanted. Um, and also in executing their offense down the stretch, um, they executed their late game offense better than the Timberwolves. Sabonis got fouled and went to the free throw line. They got an open three from Jeremy Lamb. They got a couple of open threes from Malcolm Brogdon, all in the final two minutes of regulation and overtime. And the Wolves didn't, right? I mean, they didn't have any success executing offense in the final couple few minutes. Um, and I, again, I don't think it's that they were necessarily pushing the wrong buttons from a play call perspective. It was more of an execution standpoint. Um, and then also the the, the way that the Pacers were able to get the Wolves in a bad place um, on, on their offensive end of the floor. One thing to note about the overtime period, I mean, Towns only had a couple of touches. Edwards didn't have very many touches. It was very much, um, 
centered around the Rubio Towns pick and roll, but it was ultimately, you know, broken floor situation. Beasley kept ending up with these three point attempts um, where he was kind of having to reset and they weren't necessarily the best attempts. There didn't seem to be much cohesion in the Wolves offense in overtime. And, and that was a bit of an issue. Um, another quick couple of takeaways. One Towns did have the 30, 10 game. And I mean, he shot the ball fine overall. He did get to, he got to the free throw line 12 times after barely shooting any free throws last couple times out, made all 12 free throws. So the 30, 10 line and 12 to 12 from the line's great. Uh, but he struggled defensively, which we talked about. He was in early foul trouble right before halftime, which kind of affected the way he played defensively a little the rest of the way. Um, and he was just a touch off in this game. He was two of seven outside the arc. Um, he had a couple of bad misses late in the game. The one that I mentioned earlier when Brogdon was on him in the post and it just wasn't town's best game. He was fine. He was not great. Um, Anthony Edwards did not have a good game after dropping 28 against the Lakers 24 hours before he had only eight points on 15 shots in this game, three of 15 shooting Oh, four outside the arc. We'll talk more about him in a minute, but he was off and it was great that the Wolves showed confidence in him handling the ball at the end of regulation with a chance to win. And he almost did win it, but he clearly didn't run the play exactly how the coaching staff wanted him to. Um, and then Malik Beasley was a mixed bag and we'll get, um, We'll talk more about him here in a minute, I guess, his individual performance. Uh, Rubio is very good. We'll get into him here in a second also. And then the Wolves offense was was kind of after going very much um, running a lot of pick and rolls with Towns heading to the low block against Charlotte last Friday and then going more to a five out offense on Sunday. Um, the Wolves did a little bit of everything in this game. It ended up being a ton of Rubio Towns pick and rolls. They let Edwards handle a bit um, at times early in the game. But the Rubio Towns chemistry was was far better in this game. You know, it's it's clearly they're on the same page now, right? Um, and then also, in, in, with the bench, I mean, the J Mac Nas Reed pick and roll connection was outstanding as well. And so that was basically the Wolves' offense in this one, and it worked. I mean, they scored 128 points, or or I guess if you want to throw out the seven and overtime, they scored 121 in four quarters. Um, so it's hard to complain about the Wolves offense. It was mostly just some of these defensive breakdowns, both in transition and then in the uh, the pick and roll dribble handoff game when when they just could not contain on the perimeter were the, were the biggest issues in this game, more so than the offense. Okay, next I want to do individual studs and duds, and there are some pretty clear ones in this game. First though, Let's talk about betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV, real-time updated odds and props, and almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website, betonline.ag, or use your mobile device to sign up today. Use the promo code Locked On to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's promo code Locked On at betonline.ag for a 50% welcome bonus. Betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Let's also talk about rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible to stock all the parts that you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person at the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand that their warehouse happens to carry? You have a computer with access to rockauto.com both at home and in your pocket. Chain stores have different price tiers for both professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers, but rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody, 
and they're reliably low. RockAuto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. It's for everybody, does not require membership or account login. It's a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Again, RockAuto.com's prices are always reliably low, and they're the same for both professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the exact same parts? Go to RockAuto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. When you need fantasy basketball advice, it's important that you have a reliable source. More people trust Josh Lloyd, the host of the fantastic Locked On Fantasy Basketball Show, than any other fantasy basketball podcast. Subscribe to the number one fantasy basketball podcast, Locked On Fantasy Basketball, wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so individual studs and duds. This was actually pretty easy for this game. Um, the Wolves had a couple a couple players that did, well, actually, I don't know. I mean, it, there were some, the defense was bad enough that that you could argue that it was a mixed bag for almost everyone on the Timberwolves roster, um, to be frank. I mean, we'll start with Malik Beasley. I mean, his offensive performance was efficient enough. It's really hard to not give him a stud award for this game. He had 31 points on 13 to 25 shooting, better than 50% from the field, five of 13 outside the arc. Uh, three steals, three assists, two rebounds, and was a plus five in a game the Wolves lost by six, and he played a team-high 41 minutes. Beasley was good in this game on offense. He was actually really good on offense, but he struggled a little in overtime, and he struggled mightily defensively. And so it's very hard for me to say, oh yeah, he was one of the Timberwolves' three best players in this game because he was that bad defensively. I think clearly, uh, same thing for Carl Anthony Towns too, by the way, 30 points, eight of 19 shooting, a little less efficient, but 12 of 12 at the free throw line, 10 rebounds, two steals, two blocks, and an assist for Towns. Hard to give him a stud award in this game because the defense was poor um, and the three-point shooting and, and the overall offensive efficiency, while fine, wasn't exactly what we're used to. For me, the clear studs in this game, there's a couple. One is Ricky Rubio, 20 points, 13 assists, three rebounds. Six of 13 shooting, three of six outside the arc, five of five at the free throw line, pitched in a steal and three rebounds, and only one turnover in 35 minutes. So a 13 to one assist to turnover ratio, um, 35 minutes played, 20 points, 13 assists. There was a, a short stretch in the third quarter where the Wolves offense was kind of broken and, and the Towns Rubio pick and roll was also broken. There were some bad reads that he made um, when the Wolves actually ran some horns action themselves and and just the spacing wasn't great for the Wolves and, and a lot of that falls on Rubio. But outside of that window of the third quarter, this was, and we've said this a lot over the past 10 days or so, one of the better Rubio games of the year. Clearly he's getting into shape. He's getting more comfortable in this offense and more comfortable playing with Towns and the rest of these guys. So Rubio clearly gets a stud award in this game. Um, another one's Nas Reed, 18 points, nine rebounds in only 18 minutes. 18 points in 18 minutes off the bench, eight of 14 shooting, two of three on threes. Also had three assists and three blocks in 18 minutes and a steal. Only one turnover was a plus four in the plus minus column. You could argue this is Nas Reed's best or certainly top three game for him this year. What him and Jordan McLaughlin were able to do was very similar to what Ruby on Towns did at their best in this game. McLaughlin was scoreless, but he had seven assists and only one turnover in 18 minutes. Um, and I mean, I mean, look again, point guard play. I talked about this the other night combined 20 points and 20 assists between Ruby and McLaughlin. I think, I think we'll take that every single night, right? 
pitch in seven rebounds combined, three steals, only two turnovers, 20 assists to two turnovers, and 20 combined points for Rubio and McLaughlin. That's a really good night of point guard play. Um, and it's a shame that the Wolves wasted it. So, I, I mean, for me, Rubio and Reed are the two clear studs in this one. And then the third one, I guess we could split between, I, I'm really kind of uh, taking some liberties here, but I guess I made this whole thing up, so why not? But uh, Towns and and Beasley were both, you know, poor defensively and struggled in overtime, but were really, really good for, you know, 80% of this game on the offensive end of the floor. So those guys can share the third stud award because uh, because why not? Um Duds for this game for me, this is also actually pretty difficult. There's really only one. It's got to be Anthony Edwards. He shot three of 15, missed all four of his three-point attempts, had only eight points, five rebounds, four assists. He continues to, to improve on the glass, be more involved on the glass, which is great to see those numbers up. Also, his assists are up. His turnovers remain low, even while his usage rate and his assist rate goes up. Four assists, only one turnover. Those things are positive. The negative, the 3 of 15 shooting, the 0 of 4 on threes, the minus 23 in a game the Wolves only lost by six. Nobody else was was worse than a minus 18. Um, and again, I say this almost every night, but I, I think it's important to mention the plus minus in its proper context. You know, there's been some nights where it's, it's very clearly noisy. In this game, Edwards at a minus 23, I mean, that reflects some of the defensive issues the Wolves had. He was often on the floor while Brogdon was on the floor for the Pacers. He was often on the floor when Jeremy Lamb was on the floor. Um, and and those guys scored almost at will for the Pacers. And Edwards was part of that. And so was Malik Beasley. Um, you know, the rest of the Wolves defense is culpable to some extent, but a lot of it was Beasley. Some of it was Edwards. Um, and and those those are the biggest issues. Um I think he's really the only the only player I can give a dud, you know, award to in this game, if you want to call it that. Akogi had, you know, was had two points in 15 minutes, but he was a team best plus nine. He played pretty good defense for the most part. He was on Jeremy Lamb for most of his first stint, at least. I think most of his second one as well. Um, and was okay. I mean, he was fine. Jalen Noel had six points in six minutes in the first half, but he committed three quick personals trying to guard Brogdon actually mostly. I, I do think two of his three personals were guarding Brogdon in the first half. Um, and he actually didn't see any run in the second half. I'm not sure if there was any sort of an injury or what happened there, but he didn't play in the second half of the game. Um, I don't think he deserves a dud for this game because I think he was, I mean, he was two for two from the floor, two for two from the line, six points on the game. Um, and, and was had two assists in six minutes. I thought his stint was actually pretty positive in the first half. So I was confused as to why he didn't get involved when the Wolves were struggling to score in the third quarter. But um, at any rate, this was just a, a generally positive game for the Timberwolves. Late game execution continues to be a problem. Yes, but um, this is a whole lot better than, than it was just two weeks ago. I mean, Carl Anthony Towns makes a world of difference and he did in this game. Um, and just having him on the court, the gravity of having Carl Anthony Towns on the court on both ends of the floor is significant. Um, and, and the Wolves just need to clean up some of this other stuff, the late game ex- execution, um, the shot distribution between Beasley and Towns and Edwards. And generally speaking, the the efficiency, although it wasn't terrible in this game on offense. And then the perimeter defense is once again a thing. I mean, no Jarrett Culver, Josh Kogi's only playing 15 minutes. Those are your two best perimeter defenders. Now you're down to Edwards. You're down to, uh, um, you know, Jade McDaniels started at the three in this game. And his best position is going to be the four. And Malik Beasley. I mean, those are your guys now. Uh, and then Jalen Noel, who was a little 
a little good, a little bad um, in terms of his foul trouble trying to guard on the perimeter in, in the first half of this game. So um, perimeter defense is now an issue again. If you're not going to get a lot of a Kogi and you're not going to get a lot of, of Culver, somebody's got to step up defensively in the perimeter. And that's that's got to be Edwards. It's got to be Beasley. And, and there was one play where Beasley, it, there was a blow by where Beasley just got beat bad. And Towns picked up a, a cheap foul at the rim because he just didn't have a good angle. Uh, Beasley basically didn't provide any resistance and Towns picked up a foul. And you're going to get your stars. You're going to get your big men in trouble, in foul trouble, if you don't at least put up some sort of defense on the perimeter. And Rubio has been guilty of that often this year um, as well. In this game, it was mostly Beasley, a little bit of Edwards and a little bit of Rubio that were the issue. Um, so we'll see what happens the Wolves said in their injury update statement a couple days ago that Culver's progressing on court activities and, and, you know, he might get a chance, chance to reclaim the Jalen Noel rotation spot. Um, if he can show anything offensively, if he, if he shows confidence in his offensive game, the Wolves need perimeter defense, um, and they need it badly. So, uh, we'll see if that's the case when he does come back, hopefully next week. All right, that's all we have for you today here on the show. Thanks once again for listening to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Of course, the Lockdown Podcast Network is your local experts on the biggest stories. You can subscribe to this show anywhere that you like to get podcasts. That includes iTunes and Spotify. You can also follow on Twitter at Locked on T-Wolves. That's at Locked on T-Wolves. Don't forget the T and also at B Beacon. That's at B Beacon, two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. We'll be back, of course, on Friday, previewing Wolves Raptors on Friday night. We'll also talk a little bit more. I want to talk about what this rotation could look like once Culver comes back and, and how the Wolves could handle that um, as we lead into now only five weeks away, exactly five weeks away from the trade deadline. Um, so we'll talk about all that stuff as well as peek ahead to Wolves Raptors on Friday's show. Thanks again for listening to the Lockdown Wolves podcast. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Lockdown Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.